Hi, how are you doing today? I am Jake Berlaga, your host, and I'm here with Erin, my awesome wife. Say something, dear. <laughs> Hi, guys. <laughs> this is our second episode, and we have a guest. Who is it? AJ. AJ, yes. yeah. What's up, everybody? <laughs> yep, AJ. We all go to college together, um, and that's how we met. And today we're going to talk about uh, things like the wokeness in the NBA that we've seen progressively over the last seven or eight months, ever since the bubble. And we're going to talk about some uh, CRT stuff, critical race theory. And uh, specifically, we're going to ask AJ about uh, a few things about why he decided to stop watching the NBA because of a lot of the uh, propaganda that the uh, NBA has kind of put forward. And we're going to just dissect that and talk about it. And we're going to have just a nice conversation about it. So, yeah. So, uh, AJ, you stopped watching the NBA. You're a huge Warriors fan. Yeah. (laughs) I know you love the Warriors, and mm-hmm. uh, you decided to stop. So yep. let's t- tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, first, thanks for thanks for having me on. It's yeah. definitely a, a blessing to be able to talk about these things. And um, I guess the reason why we all want to discuss it and why you guys have all these discussions is because of the influence this is having on um, Christianity and the influence it's having on just what it means to proclaim the gospel, what it means to yeah. be a believer. And so... Um, that's one of the reasons why I took a stand just convictionally recently sure. based on because what the NBA was promoting and basically how that started was like you said just um, in the bubble when um, there was a lot of desires for quote unquote social justice sure. um, which we'll probably talk about in just a second but um, and just the desires that a lot of professional athletes um, with things on their minds desired to do um, and the NBA just kind of allowing them to do it. Yeah. Um, and that's just kind of the world we live in. And me as a sports fan, I know that unbelievers are going to act like unbelievers. And so I've um, not usually had a problem with those types of things. Um, obviously, you know, you don't agree with anything that um, these unbelievers are promoting. But yeah. at the same time, you are not surprised by unbelievers acting mm-hmm. like unbelievers. Yeah. Um, and that's mainly what it's been with all the sports that I follow, whether it be NBA baseball, bas- uh, football, yeah, all these different know, aspects. Yeah. Well, recently, um, if you guys are not aware, the NBA took an even further stand as they've, you know, knelt during the national anthem or whatever and, mm-hmm. you know, promoted this this idea of Black Lives Matter, which I'll just touch on in a, on a second. Um, but they've actually allowed it to infiltrate the games now. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's really when I decided, just for me convictionally, and this is not, you know, the standard for every single person, obviously, and I don't think that someone's in sin if they're still watching yeah, the NBA, yeah, yeah, yeah. but um, just thinking about what is most important with the gifts that we've been given from God. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. The gift of the game of basketball or the gift of athletics, however you want to phrase it, from from what Paul illustrates in 1 Corinthians 9, is a gift. Like It's something that we should, everyone who strives should strive to, to run the race to win the prize. I mean, yeah. Paul talks about like athletics being being a good thing. Yeah, that's a good um, thing. When something like propaganda, like you said, or something like an idol that Black Lives Matter has become mm. infiltrates the actual gift, basically what I said is it's time to shake the dust off your feet. Um, that At that point, this is no longer about playing a game. This is about bowing down to an idol. Yeah. Mm. Um, and so I'll kind of explain what I mean by that. Black Lives Matter specifically... The phrase itself has actually uh, connotated a very unbiblical ideology. Sure. Um, the what's very shocking to me, just with whether it be people that I know or just um, the world that we're living in now, is that people who 
desire to put forth the fact that the the lives of black people do matter don't phrase it in the way that i just said it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. um people who actually you know in a, in a very good way like everyone should value the lives of black people yeah, yeah. refuse to add the three or four other words to make it a sentence yeah. and instead decide to use those three words one after the other mm-hmm. now what's the problem with that well the problem with that is that there is an organization called black lives matter and that organization from as as soon as this summer as we've seen it up until today is godless and unbiblical in many ways whether yeah. it be the promotion of uh, lgbtq community whether it be the destruction of the family mm-hmm. whether it be marxism um yeah just yeah just a, a marxist theology of just it it's the way they go about promoting valuing the lives of a specific people group doesn't actually value them yeah um it it puts on a a structure and a system which we'll talk about just yeah. the, the problems with other perceived systems that are set up but um that puts it in place this system that is not biblical and when that gets added on to social media platforms hashtags whatever it is people just use it to think it's okay well this is promoting black lives it's not <laughs> yeah um that phrase itself is not only um committing a sin of partiality and valuing one people group above another yeah. it's actually not promoting what they want it to promote because yeah. everything that black lives matter stands for when you actually think about it as as i just say and different things that that organization specifically stands for doesn't value the lives of black people it puts them in a position where they it's it seems like they are oppressed rather than people that are just in our community sure um and like re- we need to give them a handout or right. we need to deal specially with them because they've been hurt in the past right. for some reason sure. for right. some reason yeah. which they then proceed to explain that you, if you're not giving that courtesy to the black people you yeah. don't care about them you're part of the problem kind of right. thing yeah. yeah yeah and here's the thing and it stinks how polarized that is because if you right. don't disagree with them then you're already on, you're on this side or this side right. mm-hmm. and here's here's yeah. where people get the people in our kind of context where they get our position wrong is they think, oh, well, you don't, you don't think that racism is a sin then. You don't yeah. think that racism exists. Yeah. Racism exists. Yeah. And the reason racism exists is because hatred exists. Yeah, yep. exactly. And what's happening, unfortunately, is they, the, this sin of racism or this sin of hatred, honestly, it's ethnic partiality, according yeah. to the biblical terms, um, which I'll give in just a second. But th- this idea that this sin is somehow greater than others mm-hmm. is one of the reasons why Black Lives Matter is also unbiblical because you're putting in place... Uh, a, a system and you're putting in place an organization that's trying to put forth something that isn't actually helping the problem. Yeah. Um, what would help the problem is what we're going to talk about in, in, in giving scripture and, sure. and showing what true reconciliation looks like and where this is, where we are broken people and where the sin of hatred goes far beyond yeah. skin color. It's, mm-hmm. It is the sin of the heart. Exactly. Um, based on what your skin color is, that does not make you sinful. The sin that's in your heart when you're born is what makes you sinful. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so that's kind of one of the reasons, all that being said, is one of the reasons why I convictionally took a stand against the NBA, um, decided not to watch it anymore. Um, don't yeah. have anything against people that continue to watch it, but the thing that I you know, would want to have a discussion with them about is, well, what are your opinions on how they're taking a stand against something that 
should just be a gift. Yeah. Unbelievers are going to act like unbelievers. Yeah. They're going to kneel for the national anthem, whatever they want to do. As soon as it infiltrates a game, which the specific example of, of the Milwaukee Bucks and Detroit Pistons game, wasting a possession, and I will use the word wasting, mm-hmm. a possession to kneel and, and stop the play of an actual game, yeah. an actual gift that's been given for us to enjoy, is completely uncalled for and inappropriate. Yeah. Um, it doesn't... It doesn't put forth anything here's the thing people think that this is going to fix the problem mm-hmm. this idea of social justice is not going to fix anything yeah what is going to fix something is the gospel penetrating exactly yeah um jesus didn't come to save this society mm-hmm. um i was listening to some very helpful people um from just thinking podcast if you guys have not listened to that but um one of the things they were talking about today as i was listening to them is when jesus christ was on this earth he didn't change one single thing yeah one single thing about the Roman government. Yeah, he no. was not like a social revolutionary. No. Yeah. He, he came to save sinners. Yeah, he was... And actually, yeah. at every turn, if you remember, the zealots that that they were called back then, were they kept kind of trying to urge him to do something, to change yeah. something. And even Peter had his sword, and Jesus took his sword, yeah. put the ear back on the guy that yeah. he was cutting it off of. Yeah. Like, it's not that he just didn't speak to it. He was against it. Right. He's yeah. like, this is not what I'm here for. Yep. Yeah, so with the NBA kind of becoming this, you know, liberal arm for BLM and kind of just going crazy. Yeah. Even on ESPN, you you hear things like hi- they're highlighting minority owners all the time. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's just not going in a good direction. It just bothers your conscience to the point where you cannot do this anymore. Yeah, and, and the thing is, is that a lot of these guys in the NBA don't even know what they're partnering with, with Black Lives Matter. Because if they actually did, like I was talking to some, some sweet brothers the other day, and they were saying, if you actually approach LeBron James, or yeah. approach to Steph Curry and said, hey, this is what Black Lives Matter is saying, which one of the things they also believe is that there should be some type of reparations given back to the black community. Yeah. So you went up to LeBron James or Steph Curry and said, hey, you need to give, you know, some of your, like, a yeah, large chunk of your yeah. money. They'd be like, what are you, like, get yeah. out of the And the thing is, like, these people probably do not hang out in the hood. You know? Right. <laughs> so it's like, it's, they, they, they're the they poster don't, child, but they, they, don't, they don't live in the real right. world. They're, they're yeah. just trying to, to honestly be the, the poster childs of this and... Um, unfortunately, they're just going with the culture rather than taking a stand like a Jonathan Isaac. So yeah. I know you have an article pulled up. Yeah, I have an article pulled up. This is um, it's from a CBS Sports article from August because the Magic got into the playoffs and they were in the bubble. Yeah. And the bubble is just what the NBA decided to do because of COVID. They had the tournament all in one place. But essentially, this is what uh, Jonathan Isaac, who is an Orlando Magic forward, he's a really good player. He said this. I believe that Black Lives Matter a lot went into my a lot went into my decision and part of this I thought that kneeling or wearing Black Lives Matter t-shirts uh doesn't go hand in hand with supporting black lives. So I felt like just me personally what is that I believe is taking on a stance that I do believe that Black Lives Matter but I just felt like it was a decision that I had to make. And I didn't feel like putting that shirt on and kneeling and um that I don't I don't think that went hand in hand with supporting Black Lives. I believe that for myself, my life has been supported by the gospel of Jesus Christ, and everyone is made in the image of God, and that we all for uh yeah all throughout all for God's glory. Yeah, mm-hmm. sorry, this article was a, yeah something that was a mess up on here. Well, basically but, what he what he's getting at, and I love I mean I watched that interview and he was like basically preaching to yeah. a bunch of inter- like <laughs> it says on here that he's a, a ordained minister play. too. I is he really? Yeah, I mean, I would, here, yeah. would be surprised. I mean, he was preaching it was awesome and, yeah and where he gets that and this is i mean exactly what what god's word speaks to it's first john 2 right first yeah. john What's 2 15 the, you going to read? do yeah. not love the world or the things in the world if anyone loves the world the love of the father is not in him hmm. for all that is in the world what's in the world this is what we're seeing right now 
the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and the pride of life. Mm-hmm. That's what the NBA is standing for. That's what our world's standing for. We're going to talk yeah. about it a little bit just with different ideologies that are just unbiblical. It's the desire of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, the pride of life. It all boils down to pride. That's what yeah. the first sin of Adam and Eve was. It's what this continues to be. It's we want to take a stand for this. We want to do whatever it takes, and we don't care what it looks because the, the love of the Father is not in this person. And the world is passing away along with its desires. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. That's Jonathan Isaac. Yeah. Jonathan Isaac says, the will of God, the gospel of Jesus Christ, is more important to me than putting on a t-shirt that, oh, yeah. he just put on a t-shirt. No, he's putting on a t-shirt that has an organization that is godless, unbiblical, and doesn't value black lives. Yeah, and let me read this last paragraph that's on here. It says, I think, this is Jonathan Isaac speaking, I think when you look around, racism, racism isn't the only thing that plagues our society that plagues our nation, that plagues our world. And I think coming together on that message that we want to get past not only racism, but everything that plagues as us a society, I feel like the answer to that is the gospel. And that's exactly what you're saying. And what CS Sports probably forgot to mention is he probably used the word sin in that interview. (laughs) He probably did use sin. That's probably why it's taken out right there. It says plagues us as a society. Well, the Benjamin Benjamin Watson videos back in the day, he would have these, he was a Baltimore Ravens tight end. He would always share the gospel. And they would always take him out when he said so. Cut him off. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Cut him off. Yeah. So, but that's that's where that, that jives in for me. And that's, again, just my own personal conviction. That doesn't have to be everybody's personal conviction. But I would encourage everyone that is trying to figure out how to actually, you know, what, whatever it is, be the change or try to figure out. It's not about being a part of the world. Yeah. First John 2.15 says, don't love the things of this world. We're going to talk later about what Jesus actually commanded his church to do and to be prepared for. <laughs> Um, as we're going on in society, um, and it's to continue proclaiming the gospel. Mm-hmm. Continue the, the, the message doesn't change. The answer doesn't change. The, as we'll talk about, the gospel is supposed to be offensive. So yeah, and I, if I yeah, if I can just say like another comment, I feel yeah. like I feel like the BLM slogan is kind of um, manipulative in a sense because it's like no one believes not. not I, I feel like hardly anyone in our country believes that black people don't matter. Mm-hmm. Everyone right. believes black people matter. Right. Most people at least. Like, I work with lots of black people, and I feel like race isn't even a thing unless it's talked about. Yeah. Uh, unless someone's, like, trying to ask you if like, this is true or not. Like, on a day-to-day basis. Or, yeah, that's what I mean. On a day-to-day basis, who really asks you, like, mm-hmm. oh, are well, you a white really supremacist? Or... Who really cares? I mean, really. Do you think when I go grocery shopping and the cashier is uh, African-American, do you think she cares that I'm white? Probably not. <laughs> yeah, I don't yeah. even think anything of it. That's They're the just thing. kind. Yeah. They... they you just you're kind to people there right. are there we're all made in the image of god yeah, right. and we all have consciences we all know that we all mm-hmm. know that we're human mm-hmm. um and it, it's these big organizations and poster ch- children of this issue that make that just combust it into mm-hmm. into a way bigger issue than it even is mm-hmm. yeah. i mean even systemic racism we haven't had this discussion on a media level in years yeah, yeah. except before this year we had it yeah so what i was saying about the slogan being manipulative, it's like, because if you don't agree that the, of the sentiment, Black Lives Matter, then like you're a racist. So, right. But yeah. the whole, uh, all, everything we're talking about goes behind that sentiment, yeah. behind that slogan of BLM. Yeah. So if you don't agree with th- that one, you know, those three words, Black Lives Matter, then you're this, that, and that. And it's, it's right. bad. It's polarizing. Right. And we need to avoid that. Right. I mean, they're basically going to label you with the antithesis that you're a white supremacist. Yeah, and, and that's if the thing is it makes us even more divided as a people yeah. and as a culture. What's funny is if people had, from the start, whatever the, whatever the outlet was, social media or whatever, had in the midst of this said, I believe that the lives of black people matter, rather than 
throwing around this hashtag, throwing around these three words, capitalizing BLM. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, it, that had happened. <laughs> yeah. And it was like, I believe, and attaching bow verses to that, guess what? This would not be where it is today. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, honestly, just just being straight up and up front, when you have a slogan like that that is literally making millions of dollars yeah, and through I think a hashtag was, and through organizations. Yeah, and that's the thing. I, I I saw a stat somewhere that BLM, I think they brought in like over $5 billion in donations. Yeah. But also, like during the riots, they yeah. they destroyed two mil two billion in right. property damages right. last summer. Yeah, and also, um, Candace Owens, you may have heard of her, mm-hmm. is uh, a big spokesperson against this organization, mm-hmm. and she, being an African American, having grown up in the hood herself, she admits and um, realizes that there are deep rooted issues within the black community, and they stem from fatherlessness yeah. mm-hmm. and lack of education. And a um kind of like what you were emphasizing from First John too, mm-hmm. pride of life, desire of the flesh. Yep. Like I'm just gonna go um, do whatever I have to. Doesn't matter. I'm disregarding the law. I just want money, sex, power. Yep. Yeah. And, and um and and Black Lives Matter um has said we want to make those we want to make the lives of those people in the ghetto better. Mm-hmm. And even with all of the donations they've received, they've done nothing towards that end yeah how have they helped uh, i have not seen one article ever about them uh fixing a damaged community or right. you know something like that or creating housing for something or right. donating money somewhere yep. for some cause. when you see other people that, like whether they be friends of mine or people i've just also seen on social media who who are you know african-americans who are like trying to understand what's going on who yeah. are faithful believers and they're going i don't believe any of what Black Lives Matter is saying. Yeah. <laughs> I don't understand the context that they're coming from. I don't have a, like, I love the Lord. I believe the gospel. Yeah. I have a family. I'm fine. And people are like, oh, well, you didn't grow up here. You what What does that matter? Yeah. Like, yeah. you're saying, we're, you're literally having an organization, organization that says every single African American person is in this category. Mm-hmm. You're yeah. going, I'm fine. What, yeah. what are we talking about? Yeah. So that's also just one of the biggest oversights of this right now. Is yeah. Like, and I know they're like, making a huge issue out of nothing. Yeah, I know people have like their own backgrounds and I know people who have really grown up in really hard areas. So I don't want to be completely insensitive. Right. And I do know that, you know, historically black people obviously were not treated yeah. justly at the all. Civil rights movement. I mean the civil rights yeah. movement stood for a lot more great things than even <laughs> the riots over the past. Yeah, summer. yeah. So oh, we're yeah. obviously I mean they're fundamentally different the change we have because... in our country. Martin Luther King Jr. was um, advocating for real change mm-hmm. that actually came through through the course of bills and um, social acts and everything that went away with um, the the Jim Crow laws, mm-hmm. everything that went away yeah. there. Well, it was rooted in the Imago Day. I mean, right. like the civil rights movement compared to now, it, like everything that's going on now is all about oh, well, I'm a, you know, what, what, what are they saying? Oh, I'm a black person or I'm the, and I'm civil rights movement was, I'm a man. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like I, my identity is in, and there are so many other theological implications that went into that, that yeah. we would obviously just yeah. know as Christians. And that, the BLM that's a question, movement that's, is spitting on. Right. Yeah. And this is, these are questions that i And they're that saying, I've we had. don't want change. We just want war. Mm-hmm. That's their mentality. Right. We, we just want people to know that we hate, we hate the society. We hate right. America. Yeah, these are questions I've had with people. Even like some of my, like I have some really close friends who of mine who are black, and I've had questions, like discussions with them about like, how come our first thoughts, 
like our 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 race like i'm a white man or i'm a black man like why is that our first thought mm-hmm. it should be i'm a man like you said mm-hmm. like it's, it's not a good thing that our inclinations are um first thinking about what race we are or what yeah. category of we are in yeah. something so because there's different ethnicities like yeah. we, we understand that we're not saying you know Oh, you know, God, like the yeah. Lord is uniquely created and wired people in very unique ways, which yeah. is awesome. And mm-hmm. we should glory in that. We should, like, that's what heaven's going to be like. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Every tribe, tongue, people, and nation. Exactly. So why do we need to make distinctions now mm-hmm. that are creating unnecessary divisions based on a sin that, like I said before, ultimately comes down to the sin of hatred, which we're all capable of. Yeah. yeah. Regardless of, of racism, regardless right. of ethnic partiality, the sin of hatred goes far beyond that. Yeah, exactly. Like my ontology, who I am is, yeah, in the image of God, yeah. not based on my race With the or soul. gender yeah, let's be mm-hmm. yeah, or my sex or any other thing. What my job is or not, it's, it's the image of God. I'm creating God's image. Yeah. And that's where that's where we first start from. It's not it's not some social category. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and I think that's part of the problem with the critical race theory starting Which we can probably point, jump into. Yeah. Which, all right, we can go ahead and do that. Which is, um, they don't believe in God. They don't believe yeah. that we're created beings. They don't believe in the inherent value of human life. Yeah. Um, that's why they can advocate for things like abortion, euthanasia, all mm-hmm. of those liberal progressive agendas, because their starting point is we're stardust. Mm-hmm. We yeah, came about true. by accident. It's yeah. a random chance processes. And um, the actual, the actual um, thinking behind critical race theory was uh, begun in a in the Frankfurt School, which was a social research institute um, and a, a Marxist sociological institute in Germany <laughs> in the 20th century. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so if we want to get to the brass tacks of what's going on mm-hmm. with critical race mm-hmm. theory, that's what it is. It, it's... Um, it's an offshoot of Marxist thinking. Yeah, and uh, to cut you, not to cut you off for a second, but even the founder, when BLM, I think BLM came together, I think it was 2013 or 2015, BLM came together. Uh, there's three founders of it, and one of the founders said that, literally, in their words, like, we are trained Marxists. Mm-hmm. And we know Marxism comes from, you know, that comes from the devil. That's not good. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Communism is horrible. Um, yeah. And it's never worked in concerning. any country it's been implemented in. Yeah. Historically, we have no evidence that it works. Exactly. And Marxism is not just about, like, equality in terms of economics. It's not about that. It's about eradicating culture mm-hmm. and just basically destroying every norm in society. Mm-hmm. And that's the premise that things like CRT is coming from. They think that everything we have in the West, our ideals are bad. Mm-hmm. So. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. And that they need to be changed. And especially things like our Christian worldview we have right. about our marriage and stuff like that. Yeah, well, I think I was thinking of Romans 1 as, as Aaron was giving that definition. Um, I mean, you, you hit the nail on the head where it's like when you think that we come from stardust, that's only going to change your worldview. Yeah. But even then, I love, I, I don't remember what pastor, what, what preacher ended up saying it, but it just, it's a well-known thing where it's like, there's no such thing as an atheist. Um, mm-hmm. Because Romans mm-hmm. 1 says, Romans one nineteen for what can be known about God is plain to them, because mm-hmm. God has shown it to them. For his in, 
Visible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made. Why? So they are without excuse. Yeah. Mm. So these people who are saying, who, who, who advocate for this, whether they be professing Christians, which unfortunately we're seeing, but especially those that are saying, oh, well, I don't even believe in God. Do you do? And you're, yeah. just, you're suppressing the truth and the righteousness, which That's is what Romans 1 talks about. Yeah, they know that God is real, but they're they lie to themselves yeah, and that's what we're seeing so Aaron keep going yeah yeah so um this is this um explanation of critical race theory is taken from a book called critical race theory <laughs> um by Richard Delgado and Jean Stefan kick and it's basically explaining more of how critical race theory at least from an academic perspective has um has a an impact on on movements Mm -hmm. and they use um two insights to create this movement which has now gone into full swing i mean in in 2020 since Mm -hmm. since everything that happened um with blm and the racial wars basically um and these two insights are critical legal studies which um, <laughs> might as well. I mean, I, I kind of want to read in the margins over there. Uh, Darwinism, yeah, <laughs> um, and radical feminism. So both of which owe um, owe critical race theory a large debt. So again, going back into the history of this a little bit, it started in the Frankfurt School in the early twentieth century in uh, a Marxist um, atmosphere, mm-hmm. and it's kind of given birth to these ideas that have spurned, I mean, that, that have spawned Darwinian thinking in our mm-hmm. schools, in our yeah. textbooks. And I think, uh, I'm, from my knowledge, CRT really hit the map in America in the 70s. I think that's when the idea yeah. first came out. Mm-hmm. I, I read that too. Um, They're getting a lot more airtime recently. But yeah. Yeah. But yeah, recently. It's been around it's for a long But you're saying yeah. in America specifically. In America, it came out in the 70s, but obviously, like, the last couple of years, it exploded. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, I, I would also like to um, offer a little insight based on an Answers in Genesis article um, by Brandon Clay that I found very helpful. Um, He says that the main problem with critical race theory is that they are um, they're taking the ideas of one group and they're saying they that um, because this group is oppressed, so in this case it would be African Americans, because this group is oppressed, that they have the moral right yeah. and the moral jurisdiction, yeah. basically. Like it is just for them so they are to right. tell us how to live, to yeah, tell yeah. us what's so, right and wrong. And it's because they're oppressed. And that is that is the the foundation of critical race theory thinking is mm-hmm. the oppressed groups get to dictate the terms for yeah. the ones who are oppressing them. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't just go with race; it can go with uh, like it was saying radical feminism. So so gender classes. So they would say patriarchy mm-hmm. has ruled in our country, and of course there's been there's been some sad things that have happened through history sure. from men, mm-hmm. but that doesn't make all men evil. Radical feminism says yes, it does because they oppressed us. Yeah, and a lot of these things you're saying we're actually seeing in the modern left, uh, where they cannot view anything else out of the lens of oppressed and oppressor, 
and they view history like this too. So you have things like the 1619 Project where they only can see America as having slaves and seeing this country built off slavery, which is just fundamentally false. Obviously, there was slaves, but that's not the reason why the country was successful. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And then they view society today as oppressed and oppressor. Mm-hmm. And that's why we have things like um, affirmative action where they uh, they do not let... Uh, people, students of different races attend college. Like they'll, they'll mm-hmm. have white people not get into college, mm-hmm. so there can be my, more minorities. Even if oh yeah, that that right. happened to my brother. Um, before he decided to go to college, he went to a preview day at a at a school here. I won't name. A very I high won't end, name the names. A very high end, <laughs> high end technical yes. school in mm-hmm. Georgia, and um, they had a graph as part of their presentation mm-hmm. that says if you fall in this category, it's white mm-hmm. male. Um, you have, I think it was a 10% chance of getting in, even mm. if you have great GPA scores. Yeah. Um, and, and they weren't apologetic about that. They just said, this is the way things are. And, and, and that, that, see, that's the thing that they kind of don't even, it's a double standard. Yeah. They're saying, mm-hmm. uh, we're racist if we don't hashtag BLM our lives. And, and then at the same time, they can bold face tell me that my brother can't go to a college because he's white? Yeah. How is that not also racist? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But they won't call it that because they're the ones who are the oppressed. They're going right with this theory. They're the ones who are the oppressed. They get to dictate the terms to the oppressors of how mm. of how we're allowed to tiptoe around them and live our lives still. Yeah. Yeah, well, what's ironic, too, is with all the talk that we're hearing of you know ethnic partiality or um, racism or wh- whatever you want to call it, um, not only is it blood on the sin of hatred, but it also boils down to the sin of partiality just yeah. in general. And James 2 talks about that. I mean, James 2, 1, my brothers show no partiality as you hold the, as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. Later on in that chapter, in verses 8 through 10, it says, if you really fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing well, right? That's one of the greatest mm-hmm. commandments. Love the Lord your God, love your neighbor as yourself. But if you show partiality, you're committing sin or convicted by a law of transgressors. Are there still racist people in, in this country? Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Guess why? Because we're sinful people yeah. it's, it's in our heart. It's not because of someone's skin color. It's not because someone was born that way. Mm-hmm. We're born sinful. Yeah, and, and anyone can be racist against anybody. Right. Yeah, that's but what's too. ironic is that it's yeah. also going both ways now. And that's mm-hmm. exactly what CRT is showing, is that there's actually partiality being shown towards other people, regardless of whether they be white or other or things like that. Yeah. That specifically Black Lives Matter is taking that and taking something like CRT and saying, we need to be paid reparations, whatever it looks like. Yeah. Which is actually unbiblical. Yeah. But it's not because it's not it's not so we can just single out African American people, or it's not so we can just again, we're not just talking about this just for funsies. We're talking about this because <laughs> this is a, actually a unbiblical issue that's going on in our society Mm -hmm. and it's taken on a whole new light and people seem to be ignorant of it i mean it especially surprisingly in the church yeah um just like oh this this isn't that big of a problem it's it's just like the first civil rights movement right yeah why can't we endorse this because they they are they're they sound like if you don't do your research and if you don't understand the historical context of where they're getting all of these ideas. It sounds like a good thing. Mm-hmm. Black lives yeah. matter. How could they not? You know, yeah, all obviously, lives matter. Obviously, everyone agrees with the sentiment of it. Yeah. Obviously, but yeah. the whole thing behind but it. But that's a little bit of the, the part that I think is that's disturbing why to me the most is um, it, it, it is shrouded in this let's love our neighbor. Mm-hmm. Let's 
Let's um, let's have peace in the world. Let mm-hmm. all these good things, kind of like uh, stuff that was coming out in the '60s. Yeah. You know, with the hippie movement and everything, right. and, and and Christians are jumping on board. Oh yeah, Jesus, Jesus is the mm-hmm. the the Lord of peace, hippie the Jesus. Lord of hippie, yeah, yeah, the Lord of social justice. Yeah. What? How is that not a big jump? And and they really do think that that's right thing. Well, yeah, it's, it's come out in the term racial reconciliation, mm-hmm. which we'll talk about in a second. Yeah. which I know is definitely a hot button um, yeah. phrase circling. Un- unbelievers and, and believers as well right now and, and I'll talk about that in just a second yeah. about what that actually looks like biblically yeah yeah we'll get to that one moment yeah. I want to ask you a question and I really don't want to put you on the spot here <laughs> but like where does the term the term race is obviously not in the bible but like from the Greek what do we know about the word ethnicity in Greek well ethnos actually literally translates into nations okay so you can have multiple different nations um, represented in that Greek term and um that an example the best example i can think of where that shows up where it's talking about more than one ethnicity um is in acts in during pentecost yeah the ethnos is uh it's ethnos linguas so it's it's the the many tongues that they were that they were um hearing and it's these languages of people from different nations mm-hmm. and uh so the term race is actually uh, through and through, and a Darwinian um, mm. word. Social contract. Really? Yeah, yes. it is a social contract. And I think one thing we need to know is that um, critical theory is, is Marxism. It's Marxism, mm-hmm. but in a social structure, not an economic mm-hmm. social structure, obviously, mm-hmm. but in the social way, it, it is Marxism. Mm-hmm. And we need well, to stay away from this. In the way that Marxism deals with the haves and have-nots um, economically, critical race theory deals with it in social terms. Yeah, so exactly, yeah. I have the power, you don't have the power, give me the power, mm-hmm. and, and then do what I say. Yeah. And, and, and this you idea determine of, whether or not you have the power by who has been the most oppressive in the most recent times of history. Yeah, and, and obviously, like we talked about before the podcast today, like everyone has to be on the same level of everything. That means yeah. we need... Represent- never-ending chain. Yeah, mm-hmm. we need representatives of every uh, racial group on like maybe one elder board or something. Uh, that is social market. That's social Marxism. Yeah. And that kind of goes is. in yeah. a little bit with um, intersectionality, which yeah. some people don't understand. Could you break that down for us? Yeah. That's basically just, a, uh, at least from my understanding, a category of things. And I'm, I'm getting this from the critical race theory book that I mentioned earlier, and also the Answers in Genesis article, um, where you fit into different categories based on how you've been oppressed. Yeah. Yes. So if you are a black African-American, you're more oppressed than a white male, right? Yeah. If you are a, a white um, lesbian, yeah. you're more oppressed than a white male. Really? And, mm-hmm. and arguably you fit in a different category than even a black wow. male because you're white and you're socially unacceptable for years. You've been socially unaccepted yeah. for well, years. Well, different black people are put in different categories. Yeah, it's exactly. Like, so what's, what's even the point now if we're going to have a discussion where we're trying to create, again, quote-unquote social justice among a community where you're then creating something that is dividing that community? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, it, it just it doesn't make any sense. It's just this, this circular reasoning that ultimately comes back to an mm-hmm. unbiblical theology of the heart and of sin and mm-hmm. of... Yeah. <laughs> 
trying to put a system and an ideology on something that is an issue of the heart. Yeah, and mm-hmm. I feel like there's it's not just kind of white people who are being targeted today as white people, but it's actually there's Asian people too. I don't know if mm-hmm. you've ever heard about this. Yeah. But Asians, specifically at Harvard University, are being targeted based on race. Right, to because not be typically they have the higher GPA scores, so they get into Harvard more easily. Yeah, I know schools and like... in recent times, like, people have said, no, Harvard has said, no, we want more diversity. And apparently yeah. Asian is not diverse enough. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and we're seeing this issue at like Georgia Tech and at Harvard, mm-hmm. where there might be... The student body might be 65% Asian, and the administrators don't like that. Yeah. But what's wrong with that? Why cannot it... Can it not be about qualifications? Why does it have to be about race? Mm-hmm. This is an issue. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I want to touch on, if I can... The, yeah, we can get into reconciliation. The racial reconciliation yeah. and, and what that actually looks like. Because that's especially... And this is also just something that's happening in, in our culture and, and in the church. And you know, I know for me, as someone aspiring for ministry, it's definitely something that I'm yeah. keeping my eye attuned to. Is mm-hmm. Okay, what does this look like biblically? How do we respond to this biblically? Sure. CRT, critical race theory, is something that is obviously being denounced by the majority of people. Now, some people are, are holding on to it in specific ways, um, which is uh, unbiblical and, and, and not right to do. Uh, but the majority of people are denouncing critical race theory. The problem is, is now being renamed. Mm. And what it's being renamed to is this idea of racial reconciliation, mm. um, which has kind of started in biblical circles, mm. but they're also gleaning from an ideology mm-hmm. that's unfortunately unbiblical and, and yeah and, and comes alongside critical race theory and this idea of racial reconciliation where it's like we have to reconcile these races we have to have multi-ethnic churches we have to blank blank blah blah blah, blah, blah mm-hmm. all this different stuff well ultimately that comes down to a theology of what reconciliation actually is yeah and mm. nowhere in scripture is there ever an idea where we need to reconcile races yeah we need to reconcile ethnicities that's even the desire between jews and gentiles Paul talked about there's no distinction between Jew and Gentile. Mm-hmm. We See, are if you all, don't mind, I can read that yeah, verse. Yeah, you use that verse, and then I'm going to go to 2 Corinthians 5, talk about the actual theology of reconciliation. But Aaron, use that yeah. verse first. So Colossians 3.11, Paul says, Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, or slave, or free, but Christ is all and in all. Yeah. So just think and about... And actually, if I may, yeah. historically... Um, I remember Bodie Bauckham doing a doing a sermon on this. Um, barbarians and Scythians had just brutally treated one another. Mm-hmm. They they um, they hated each other. It wasn't a skin issue; it was a territorial issue. And in that historical context, um, someone alive at that time hearing Paul would have been like, "Wait, what? Seriously? Mm-hmm. I'm a barbarian. I have to love a Scythian." Yeah. But yeah. he's saying, "Yeah, you're you." meet at the foot of the cross you are christians um so you have to love those people who would have been your national enemy (laughs) yeah 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 i just thought about this i'm so glad you brought that up do we realize in the book of john this is awesome i just literally thought of this in the book of john when jesus interacts with the samaritan woman talk about Mm. the interactions in barbarian Indians. (laughs) jewish people did not interact with samaritans I mean, talk about, like, hatred and ethnic partiality towards people. Like, they did not... They walked down the side of the street. They called them dogs, which was a very, like, perverse term during that time. Mm-hmm. Jesus interacted with the Samaritan woman. Mm. What did he tell that woman dur- during that time he interacted with her? Like, he heard the gospel, told, him that, mm. told her that he was the Messiah. Yeah. And then what did he tell her? I love that. Go message. tell the village. Mm-hmm. He didn't say, okay, now let's figure out how to reconcile this village right, right, so that right. we can get Jews and Samaritan... Right. Go back in and and she said, come see a man who told me everything I did. She didn't go Mm -hmm. back in and say, 
this guy's figured it out. This yeah. this guy's shown us how to reconcile these two things. Mm. Yeah. Why is that that way? Well, it's because of 2 Corinthians 5. 2 Corinthians 5, 21, we obviously know that verse. Yeah, he became verse. He, he who knew, knew no sin became sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Yeah. Well, before that, it talks about that we're ambassadors of Christ. Why? Well, in verse 16, from, from now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Mm. The old has passed away, the behold, the new has come. We say, amen, right? We're new creations. Mm-hmm. Keep going. All this is from God who through Christ, not through society, not yeah. through some form of we're trying to figure this out. Through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Mm. That is in Christ, God, Paul's not done. In Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us mm. the message of reconciliation. Racial yeah, reconciliation, good. get ready. Racial reconciliation is not a biblical term. Mm. It's not. The only reconciliation we know finds itself at the foot of the cross. When you're trying to reconcile people who are are divided against one another and there's hatred toward one another, you point to the cross. Mm. Guess what? That doesn't change when we're talking about racism. It doesn't change at all. Yeah. Like at all. There's there's no added message. There's no added, well, we gotta we gotta t-. the ministry of reconciliation is that if I have hatred towards you, hatred in my heart, which is what that boils down to, mm-hmm. if there is racism between somebody or ethnic partiality. Yeah. It cannot it has to be solved by the cross. It has to be level. solved at the heart level. Yeah. It can't be solved that well we have to have these laws changed after because guess what? Even if all the laws are changed, even society, even if we're in the best society in the world, guess what there still are? Racist people. People that, that have hatred in their hearts and people that have sin in their hearts. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Guess what? That's all of us without Christ. Yeah, that's true. So the ministry yeah. of reconciliation has been given to us so that we can now reconcile ourselves to God before we reconcile ourselves to each other. Yeah. So mm-hmm. hear me when I say that the ministry of reconciliation, while it is at a, a person level where you want to be reconciled to each other, if we're not reconciled to God first, it's a faulty reconciliation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And honestly, that is what racial reconciliation is trying to do. Mm-hmm. This faulty temporal thing where we ought to reconcile these races, forgetting that the reconciliation comes from God alone. And we say, oh, well, that's too general. That's too, we're, we're, be, we're not being specific enough at the heart level. Mm-hmm. Really? The, the gospel is not specific enough mm-hmm. that we as sinners, Christ bore the wrath of God for us. That's not specific enough for us. Every single sin, Christ bore on the cross for us. Mm-hmm. That's pretty specific. Yeah, <laughs> Every single sin, whether it be hatred in your heart, ethnic partiality, to a white lie you told when you were five years old. Every single sin. Mm-hmm. That's a specific nature and the gospel specific. So I want to I make that clear as well because racial reconciliation is something that's going to be circulating, unfortunately, in the church in the next mm-hmm. couple of years. And it's also circulating in society. The reason it is is because of the ideology that when you don't start an ideology and when you don't start a theology of the heart, and you start with a theology of, well, we need ideologies or we need other yeah. ideas. Not only does it mm. deny the sufficiency of scripture, it denies the sufficiency of the gospel. Yeah, that's wow. true. That's good. Preach. That was great. If I may, could I ask you a clarifying question? Yeah. Um, what would you say, because I have friends who'd be like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The repentance for everything and reconciliation in all terms is found at the foot of the cross. Mm-hmm. But... We still need yeah. to, and, yeah. yeah. We still need to have these reparations um, financially for mm. what America specifically 
um, did against African Americans, right. or what um, uh, a a specific church or organization has done mm-hmm. in the past in history yeah. uh, mm-hmm. about, uh, towards these specific minorities. What would be your answer to that? Yeah, yeah, and that's a great question because I am by also no means saying I don't think any of us are right are in saying oh well, we're just going to stand back and just preach and hope everything works itself out. No, we have the good works. We do the good works. But what do the good works look like? They flow out of the gospel. Mm-hmm. This isn't an, an outside-in mentality. This is an inside-out. Based mm-hmm. on the overflow of our hearts, we should then do things. But guess what? The desire to change law, the desire, that comes through actually prayer. Because mm-hmm. we're not in those environments where yeah. we can you know, change those laws. Maybe we can vote for something. Yeah, I understand that. But ultimately, and this was Paul's mindset. Paul's mindset, and this is something I've even heard in a recent sermon, he wrote a letter to Titus. Titus was on the island of Crete. Okay, mm. I'm going to give a, a little bit of a, a background of what, what the island of Crete looked like. And I want you guys to tell me if this sounds familiar. The island of Crete was a very hostile and ungodly environment. There were churches that were very shallow in theology, very in, a lot of immature believers. Mm-hmm. And Paul sent Titus there to train up godly men, disciple the church, and have a godly view of God. Yeah. He sent Titus into the fire of that world into the fire of this community, this this country, whatever it was, and he said, train up godly men in the church. Hmm. Does that sound familiar? Yeah. That, that's exactly the kind of world we're living in, in a hostile and godly time. And what does Paul say to Titus then? And what does Christ say to us now? Train up godly men and First Corinthians 2 too. Uh, for I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Hmm. Everything we do should flow out of the desire for the gospel. So yeah. those people that are saying, Aaron, of, yeah, we need to preach the gospel, but we need to do... But you need to preach the gospel, and well, if the gospel is sufficient, hmm. the gospel should be sufficient enough for us to pray for those things, for us to desire those things in certain ways. But as we saw from verse John two, we don't love the things of this world. Yeah, mm-hmm. we forget that this is not our home. People forget that we are aliens, strangers on this earth, mm-hmm. just passing through. Like we're just passing through this earth on our way to heaven, and we we need to remember that. We need to remember that this is mm-hmm. not our home. Yeah. This is not our home. And so to those people I say like, yeah, maybe we, maybe we push for the social change, but if the gospel is not central and if we're trying to weave our way through to make the gospel appealing to people, mm. we also forget that the gospel is offensive. Mm-hmm. And, and we, de- we deny the fact that the, the gospel itself has power to save. As we yeah. saw in the ministry of reconciliation. Yeah. So, so there's, there's no need for reparation since the gospel completely saves right. us and Christ completely takes our guilt and right. our sin and our shame. And yeah. even the smallest sins we've done and the biggest sins we've done. Yeah. Yeah. And they're taken by him mm-hmm. and his blood. And the good works. Like we see that in, when Jesus, before Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, before he raised a dead man from the grave, turned to Mary and Martha and said, I'm the resurrection of life. Yeah. Before Jesus did the, what we would say is the good work, mm-hmm. he preached the gospel. Mm-hmm. He said, yeah. I'm the resurrection of the life. And when he raised Lazarus from the dead, we, people say, you know, you hear people say, oh, well, Jesus actually did something then after yeah. that. Well, okay, but what if we're not able to do something? Mm-hmm. What if we're in a society right now, which, by the way, we are, where we're not in government power and we can't yeah. change all these different things? Guess what? Continue preaching the gospel because that is power to save. Yeah. Not mm-hmm. else this, this desire for social justice and change that ultimately is not going to satisfy what only Christ can satisfy. It has no eternal value. Right. Yeah, yeah it doesn't. Yeah. Exactly. Well, that kind of also reminds me of um, Christ's words to his disciples or, or um, at, the, at the tail end of the Sermon on the Mount where he says, if they hated me, they'll hate you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's, that's, about that's to get what that, the church, yep. yeah. yeah. And that's, that's kind of where we're headed. That's where, yeah. 
in this society, we're like, oh, no, 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 we don't want you guys to hate us. We're going to do all these mm-hmm. things so that we fit the bill of all the cultural yeah. reset that's going on now. Yeah. But that's not our goal. Yeah. We, we, we don't want, of course, to be inherently hated, but we are going to be. Right. Because the darkness hates the yeah, there was, there The was darkness one, hates the light. Yeah, there was right. one professor who put a tweet out recently about how if you're not saying enough, then you're probably progressive and mm. you're not you're not saying enough as a christian and you're yeah i think i so, i think you know i read that about? same tweet he, he said mm. something along the lines of it, uh woke christian i think he said that in quotation marks yeah. if you are not um having your convictions lambasted daily by or something like by, that by yeah. progressive ideology then it's because they're they don't see anything in you to target exactly that's exactly what it is yep yeah, yeah. and th- that's true if you're not standing up for what is right and what is true and you're not staying in opposition to the blm movement and the the woke crap that we're seeing <laughs> then you have to really question yourself and your convictions if, if for what you're doing what do you really believe in mm. um yeah. so i think that's something we can all be asking ourselves i have a couple verses and i don't know if we wanted to close here soon but um, yeah we'll close a, a few minutes, couple so. a couple of closing thoughts yeah. i also heard this from a from a sermon today and it just blew me away it was about uh not succumbing to the fear of man so yeah. it's, it's, a, it's a good topic to to think about not necessarily in, in regards to this but um just thinking about like we don't want to be people pleasers we don't yeah. want to fall in the trap of thing we have to be pleased by everybody but that's in more relation to our own hearts that we don't get significance well I think this verse also applies to this kind of thing because it says, Woe to you when all people speak well of you. Hmm. Hmm. Wow. If, if all people are speaking well of us, Luke 6.26. Yeah, okay. Luke 6.26. Woe to you when all people speak well of you, for so did their fa- so for so their fathers did to the false prophets. Wow. <laughs> so it's like Luke 6.26 <laughs> says, All if all people speak well of you, like woe to you. Mm-hmm. Like if all people are agreeing with you. Aaron, you have to ask yourself. Yeah, you already touched yourself. on it. John yes. 15. We forget, and I just mentioned this, we forget the gospel's offensive. Mm-hmm. Like, Christian, do you, like, abide by the fact today that the gospel is offensive? The message you proclaim, the message you believe, if you're a professing believer, is offensive to our world. Mm-hmm. It's offensive. Are you, are you willing to, to believe that and to preach that? Because the gospel's attractive, but the gospel should be attractive because of our character. Not because of, oh, I worded this certain way. Yeah. Jesus said, John 15, Aaron already talked about it. If the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. Hmm. What a deterrent and a conviction that is to believers. Yeah. The world would That's love good. you as its own if you're of the world. Oh, Christian, does the world love you for the things you're saying? Hmm. Does the world love you? But because you're not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world like you guys said, That's we don't good. long for those things. We don't say, oh, well, I, I really wish the world hates me. But at the same yeah. time, we say, this message I proclaim, I proclaim, I decide to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Yeah, exactly. If all people are speaking well of me, what, what, what's the problem with that? Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and if, if all people are speaking well of me, man, that's really going to feed my desire for, for pride and, and for selfish ambition. And I need to fight against that. Yeah. But also for the sake of if all people are speaking well of me, that means that there's something I'm saying that is pleasing both believers and unbelievers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Those the things wolves do not and the sheep. Yeah. yeah. The sheep and the goats. Yeah. yeah. So we can start closing this thing down a little bit. So I think some, I guess some like key thoughts we have to, you know, remind ourselves of is obviously what we've been talking about, how only the gospel can save people and we can only interpret what we're seeing rightly by the gospel. And mm-hmm. the only way we can be brought together as a community is through the gospel and seeing what the most important thing is 
and that's Jesus Christ coming down in the flesh as God, mm-hmm. saving sinners, so that we'd be right with God. And how these issues we're seeing are completely unbiblical as we've uh, broken down. Mm-hmm. And uh, the only way we can be united as a group is that, you know, we come as Christians together by mm-hmm. the blood of Christ. Yeah. yeah. I think it's also a good reminder what you had brought up, AJ, is, um, I mean, just asking, I mean, for our listeners, are you okay if the world hates you? Mm-hmm. Because yeah. that's, that is, um, in our society, in this day and age, um, with the new administration, everything going on, that is going to be the test of our faith. Yeah. And we're going to have to stand up and say, yeah, I am okay with that because I love Jesus. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah, let me uh, say and one I more thing too. And I love the too. truth. And I will stand for the truth. Yeah. Let me say one more thing too. I, I, I really think that we need to be aware that in our world, it's probably not going to get easier or better. It's not going to go in the direction we want it to. Like there's an article that came out by the Daily Mail that said, it talks about how Joe Biden revoked Donald Trump's order banning critical race theory. So Donald Trump, when he was president, he banned uh, the federal agencies and the military from teaching critical theory uh, to their uh, employees. Because he actually got on um, the media and said, this stuff is racist. Yeah, so Don- Donald Trump explicitly said uh, CRT is un-American um, and it cannot be taught in our federal uh, mm-hmm. buildings. And he, he banned it. And once the Biden administration came in, they've already revoked it. Mm-hmm. So we're going to see more of this stuff. We're going to see more attacks against our Christian values. Um, and we need to be prepared because I don't think it's going to get better. But obviously we have hope because this is not our home. Our home's mm-hmm. in heaven. Yeah. Um, but we should be aware of that in the world. The pressure is only going to get worse. It's mm-hmm. only going to get bigger, you know. Mm-hmm. All right. Anything else? No, just final encouragement is... Think about in the first Corinthians 15. It sounds like very doomsday. All we're just like, <laughs> we're gonna be hey by everybody. Take heart, Christian. My therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast and movable, always abiding in the work of the Lord. Why yeah. knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Mm-hmm. You start the good work, we'll complete it. Mm-hmm. This is not our home. We will be in heaven one day, and all will be made right. The social justice that our world is wanting. Well, there's a biblical justice that God is coming to judge the world one day and, and make every wrong right. That is what we should long for, and that comes through the gospel because hmm. eternal life is so much more important than the temporal life we live in. So yeah. don't reach after the things of this world that are passing away. Fight for the gospel. Fight for the truth. Abound in the work of the Lord. Like, can that be said about us? Yeah. Uh, can, we, can that be said that we're servants of Christ, that we're stewards of the mysteries of God, that we're abounding in those things because yeah. the Lord says that those things are not in vain. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks so much for coming on our podcast. Yeah, I loved having you. Yeah. Yeah. All of the insight here. Yeah. yeah. Do you want to say anything about your podcast? Yeah. I'm or... just say, um, thanks for having me on. I'm definitely um, thankful to, to talk about these things. I'll be starting up uh, my podcast. been taking a little bit of a hiatus, uh, about yeah. a month and a half hiatus. Just learned a lot about um, humi- humility and just um, seeking less significance in things and just mm-hmm. trying to shift that into the mode of the podcast that I'm trying to do. And so, um, it's called Steadfast Striving. I'll be starting next week. I'll have these two great people on hopefully soon and um, talk about some things. But um, yeah, it's a good uh, tune-up to, to start talking about things of the Lord and um, just opening the word and, and discussing things. So yeah. looking forward to that. Yeah, we appreciate it. And in a few weeks, we're going to do one. What's the name of your podcast? Steadfast Striving. Steadfast Striving. Yeah. Steadfast Striving. Yep. Yeah, in a few weeks, we're going to do one on missions and probably another one on something political soon but we wanted to cover um what the first hundred days are so we're gonna look yeah like i wanted to break down the biden administration what we're gonna see in the future and uh kind of just we review won't be Trump. all doomsday about that don't worry. yeah <laughs> <laughs> and i want to review i want to do a little bit of an analysis on the trump era 
But mm. hopefully that can come out soon. I have to work on that. But just, you know, keep your eyes on the, the good podcast. old days. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Well, farewell. Have a great night. Yeah. Welcome to the EJ Cast, where we dive into cultural issues related to politics, theology, and history. I am your host, Jacob Berlaga. And I am his co-host and wife, Erin Berlaga. We are happy to be providing current layman commentary on events and different issues we face as believers in these days. Thank Thanks you for, for joining. joining.